Well, as we finish this sermon series, I'm going to try to figure out how to move around the stage without tripping and without going on the steps. Um, As we finish our series, Getting Past Your Past, you'll remember that we've been chewing on this idea, this big idea for the whole series, that things happen to us so that God can work in us, so that God can work through us. We started with acknowledging a, a shift in perspective. If we're going to steward our pain well, and we're going to allow God to transform that pain, we're going to have to have a shift in perspective, and that that perspective can allow our pain to be transformed into power. And that next step, as God begins to work in us, is that we own our piece of the past, that we make peace with the past by owning our piece of the past. And then we talked about forgiving those for their part, the others that were involved in whatever it is that we need to get past. And then last week, we looked at this idea of sowing lessons. And this message really builds upon the last message, that if you want to change your crop, you've got to change your seed. And if you see patterns in the, in the, the fruit that your life is bearing that you don't like, then you have to change the seed that you're sowing. And this week, we'll build upon that. But as we do, we're continuing to look for ways that God wants to work through us as we get past our past. Now, I wonder if you're anything like me and you've noticed that two people can experience the exact same circumstances or witness the exact same thing and have two totally different responses to it. A story is told of, a, of, of two shoe salesmen that go into different communities, and in both of these communities, nobody wears shoes. And in the first one, the guy says, oh, man, I better move on. Nobody here wears shoes. Nobody knows what shoes are good for. I'm just going to have to go on to a different place. The other guy walking into another community that nobody wears shoes, he says, this place is a gold mine. Nobody's got shoes. Everybody's a potential client. And they had two totally different reactions to the same set of circumstances. Bringing it a little bit closer to home, if you have more than one news station in your television uh, lineup, you know that the exact same set of circumstances or the exact same event can be portrayed two totally different ways, depending on which station you're looking at and which talking heads they've got up there and and which agendas they might be trying to push forward. And so there's a big difference that we can see between the reaction of two different sides on the exact same event. Or maybe you can consider uh, dogs and cats, okay? Uh, a dog looks at his owner and says, this person loves me and pets me and feeds me and cares for my every need. He must be God. Whereas a cat will look at the exact same circumstances. This person loves me and pets me and feeds me and cares for my every need. I must be God, right? <laughs> now, I want you to know I waited three months before I brought out the cat jokes because I know you better build some credibility with the cat people before you start messing with cats, all right? I'm a dog lover. I'm not a cat hater. I'm just a dog lover. That's, that's, that represents some growth for me. But again, two totally different conclusions to the same set of circumstances represented there. And the same is true as we consider getting past our past. We can look back on our past and we can allow it to define us or to develop us. We can allow it to make us bitter or make us better. We can choose to tell a story that says, I'm the victim of these circumstances, or we can say, I'm a victor. I'm a survivor. I'm not a, I'm not a victim of abuse. I'm a survivor of abuse. I'm not a victim of the things that have happened to me. I'm a victor as I have overcome those and as I have chosen to allow God to change my perspective and work in me and work through me. And so today we're going to continue on in Galatians chapter 6. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, uh, we're on page 1816 in the hardcover pew Bibles. We started in this passage last week as well. We'll refresh that just a little bit, and then we'll move on to the next couple of verses and close with another passage of Scripture that brings this this whole series that we've been on into a beautiful conclusion. 
And so last week we read these first couple of verses in Galatians 6, verse 6 through 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And that's what we looked at last week with the big idea that if you want to change your crop, you've got to change your seed. And I challenged you to ask two questions last week at the end of the message. First, is there anything that I want to be reaping someday that I need to start sowing today? Is there anything that I want to reap someday in a relationship, financially, spiritually, wherever it may be in your life? Is there anything I want to reap someday that I better start sowing right now? And the second is, is there anything that I'm sowing today that I don't want to reap someday? Is there anything that I'm currently doing in my relationships, in my finances, in my spiritual life, in my physical health, that I'm sowing the wrong kind of seed and someday I'm going to reap something that I don't want to reap? And so with those two questions in mind, we move on to verses 9 and 10. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest If we do not give up, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So remember, things happen to us so God can work in us, so God can work through us. And we continue that thought as we look for ways to allow what God has done in us to become something he does through us to help another person. And our bottom line this week is that one of the best ways for you to get past your past is to help somebody else get past theirs. One of the best ways for you to get fully and finally past your past is to come alongside somebody who's going through the same thing that God has brought you through, and you get to be the hands and feet of Christ to that person and help them get past their past. One of the strongest healings that you can experience is when you allow God to use your life to be a conduit of healing for somebody else. And over and over as a pastor, I see this where, where somebody who's, who's gone through a difficult divorce gets to come alongside somebody else who's going through a difficult divorce. Or, or a couple who's been through some, some tough times in marriage links up with another couple that's younger than them and hasn't seen everything that they've seen and done everything that they've done. And they walk through that with them and they get them through that time. Or somebody who's experienced the pain of, of a, losing a child comes alongside somebody else who's going through that pain right now and helps them through that. And you see that the healing is bilateral, not unilateral. It doesn't just go to the one who's going through the hard time. It goes to the one that's helping them through a hard time. One of the best ways for you to get past your past is to help somebody else get past theirs. In fact, if you've ever had any experience with any of the 12-step programs, I was involved in a ministry called Celebrate Recovery, which takes the the 12-step programs like Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous, uh, the different 12-step programs, and brought them into a, a conclusively Christian context so that, that it wasn't a higher power, it was Jesus Christ. And, and it, it helped people walk through that. And every one of those, the 12th step is the same. And it all has something to do with going back. Now that you have come through the recovery process, you stay in the recovery process by going and helping people through their own recovery process. In fact, the 12th step in Celebrate Recovery said, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all our affairs. That there is something that, that is very tangible and very palpable as you seek to get past your past, as you seek to recover from whatever it is that happened to you when you go back and come alongside somebody else and help them through theirs. In fact, 
Paul must have had some insight into this through the Holy Spirit as he writes just earlier in our passage. In the first verse of chapter 6, he says, Brothers, if someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. You who are spiritual, you who have experienced God's grace in a powerful way, go back to those who are struggling and you come alongside them and you bring them along with you. Because one of the best ways to get past your past is to help somebody get past theirs. And there's something powerful that happens when we get our eyes off of our own problems and look for ways to help somebody get through theirs. And this became real to me uh, and as I was thinking about this, when, when we had Keaton and he was about six weeks old, um, he had to have a life-saving surgery. And uh, this developed over the course of a couple of weeks. You may not realize it, but there's a little muscle in the bottom of your stomach that holds your food in there until it's partially digested and then moves it on. It's called the pyloric sphincter. And when it grows shut in about one in a thousand firstborn males, it's fatal if it's not corrected with surgery. So he had this condition called pyloric stenosis. And with his stomach grown shut, nothing could get through. So he's getting very dehydrated. He was throwing up everything that he ate. There was nothing that we seemed we could do. So we took him to the doctor and they ordered a couple tests and confirmed it and said, you're going to be having surgery. I said, oh, so we'll schedule that next week. And he said, no, no, you're having surgery today. They're prepping the OR right now. You've been admitted. You need to get him an IV and get him started and get him down to surgery. And one of the hardest things that I had ever had to do at that point in my life was to take this little child that I'd only had for six weeks and turn him over to a surgeon that I had never met with the hope that his life would be saved. And we didn't know it, that, that this was a surgery that had like a 99% effect rate. You know, it had, it's something that children just used to die from. But now there was a way to, to save them and to, and to help them. And he came through the surgery wonderfully. And God used that experience to grow us so much. It was unbelievable. And then fast forward seven or eight years later, I'm pastoring a church in Charleston, West Virginia. And my associate pastor has his first child. And I find out that night they're going in, so I check on him in the morning, and I get this text back that says, he's not breathing well, they've taken him to the NIC room, I'm freaking out, I don't know what to do. And I got in the car, and I made a beeline to that hospital, and I walked into the room, and I was able to empathize with what he was feeling in a really powerful way, because I'd gone through it myself. And Scott was able to share afterwards in a message, he said, it was when when Pastor Mark walked through that room, he brought a piece that nobody else was able to bring because nobody else had walked through the road that we were currently walking through. Nobody else had, had had to place their child into the hands of another. And so it was this really powerful opportunity for God to work in us and God to work through us to minister to somebody else. And so as we move on in this series, as we bring this series to a close, I want you to be thinking of and praying for God to show you somebody that you are uniquely qualified to assist, that you are uniquely qualified to minister to because of something that God has done in you and now is ready to do through you because you're getting past your past. And this is why we talk about community so much at Linwood. This is why we talk about link groups and the importance of getting in a circle with other people and doing life together, whether that's a Bible study or a group that meets in a home. When you start to share life with people and you share your story and you share what God is doing and what has happened to you and, and what you're struggling with, you find that there are people that God has put in that circle who have come through the things that you are struggling with and you link up with each other and you're able to help each other. In fact, one of my favorite pastors has said that circles are better than rows for growing people. That people grow better in circles than they do in rows. Now, when you drive down the highway and you go past a field, you see that that plants grow really well in rows, right? They grow really well in rows, and it's easy to get water to them, and it's easy to get to the the different uh, fertilizer and things that they need in rows. 
And for a long time, Christians have walked through the doors of a church and they've sat in rows and expected all their growth to come as a result of coming to a church service. And yet what we're finding is that when you will take the next step and get into a circle, a small group of people, 8 or 10 or 12 or 15 people that are going through life together and you're sharing life together at a deeper level, that the growth that you experience is so much, so much greater. In fact, that's one of the reasons that recovery programs have been so successful because they get people out of rows and into circles and they do life together and they support each other and they encourage each other. And so as we consider being a family of families and what that looks like, a big part of what that looks like is you getting into a circle of other believers, into a link group. Now, I know summer's not the best time to be promoting uh, community groups and link groups because uh, a lot of people, you know, summertime is difficult, but stay engaged with your family of families over the summer. We're going to be doing a series. We talked about this last week. I encourage you to take one of these invite cards and invite somebody. I've heard from several people that they did that, that they crossed over that line of fear into the land of faith, that they trusted God, that they wouldn't get punched in the nose or laughed at if they handed somebody an invitation to church and invited them personally to come to church. So we put those out again. We want you to take those. If you're like really just outgoing and love to do this, then, then take a week of vacation and we got a whole stack of these. You can go and just go all day long knocking on doors, inviting people to church. We'd love for you to do that. But we are a family of families. We are better together. And as we consider getting past our past and helping others get past theirs, we're going to find that, that there is a warning included in this passage of Scripture. And then there is a healthier approach. So I want to look at both of those. If you look at verse 9, there's this warning that says, Let us not become weary of doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. It's as if Paul is saying, Don't quit sowing. Don't quit sowing. Don't quit sowing the right seeds. Don't quit sowing the good things. It's easy to grow weary of doing good. Don't allow yourself to grow weary. I think there are some parents today, maybe there are some mothers today that need to hear this encouragement. Don't grow weary. Parenting is one of those things that I found where you, you, you invest and you invest and you invest and it seems like you're not getting anywhere or you're doing everything wrong and then suddenly something happens and you're like, oh, they were listening. They, were, they got it. They got the lesson. Or somebody takes the time, like somebody did this week, to share something they witnessed our children doing on Wednesday night and to, sh- and to bless us by sharing, here's a success story for your parenting. As I watched this happen, I realized you guys are doing a great job being parents. We need to be an encouraging family uh, of families here at Linwood. And when we see somebody's kids doing the right thing, we don't just think, oh, that's nice, that we take the step and let them know that we saw that because they need encouragement. Because it's really easy to grow weary of doing good. There may be some husbands or some wives here this morning, and you're growing weary of doing good, and you're growing weary of praying for a change to happen in your relationship. And Paul is encouraging you, and I am encouraging you, don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in doing the right thing. Because the principle of reaping and sowing is a true principle. And at the right time, at the appointed time, you will reap a harvest. There may be some employees here who are having a harder and harder time doing the right thing at your employment. And you're trying to decide if you need to make a change. You want to kind of check out maybe. 
And my encouragement to you would be keep sowing the right seeds. Keep doing the right things. Don't grow weary in doing good. And if you do need to make a change, make sure that you do the right thing up until the very last day that you work for that employer and go on to the next one. Because you want to be able to tell your whole story. You want to be able to say as you walk out the door, I did the right thing. I worked hard. I did things the way they ought to have been done. Or maybe... Maybe, you know, and this is, this is a tougher one, but, but maybe you've been tithing for a while and you've had one financial hit after another and you can't quite figure out why and you thought this was supposed to go differently and Paul's saying, don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in doing the right thing for the right reason because at the right time you will experience that harvest. And it's not health, wealth, and prosperity. It's not that you sow a dollar into God's kingdom and win the lottery. It's, it's that there are principles And when we put God first in our finances, then the principle gets set in motion. And at the right time, we will reap a harvest. We will see his blessing and his protection over us. And the warning, I think, is there because if you're not careful, and I've seen this in my own life, and I've seen it in the lives of many Christians as I stepped into ministry, that we get, we get this idea that we can't say no to anybody for any reason. And that's one of the reasons we grow weary in doing good, because we try to do everything for everyone all the time, and we come to a point where we realize, I can't do everything for everyone, and we decide, I'm not going to do anything for anybody. And there's a powerful principle here that says in verse 10, if we continue on with verse 10, it says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. As you have opportunity, not that you have to do everything for everyone. Because if you try to do everything for everyone, you'll realize that you can't, and you'll decide you're not going to do anything for anyone. But as you have opportunity, if when the time is right... You take the opportunity and you do, as Andy Stanley says, you do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. You realize, I can't do everything for everyone, but I can do something for someone. And the fact that I can't do everything for everyone is not going to keep me from doing the one thing that I can for the one person that I can touch. And we get this beaten out of us early in life, right? How many of you went to school and you had an extra piece of gum, so you gave a piece of gum to your friend and you got in trouble because you what? You didn't have one for everyone. Do you have a piece of gum for everyone? No. Then you shouldn't give one to anyone. And you said, okay. And you were told what? That's not fair. That's not fair. But if everyone in this room did for one what they wish they could do for everyone, I think we'd be all right. Don't you? And it wouldn't have to be fair, but if we each did our part, instead of saying, well, I can't do everything for everyone, so I'm not going to do anything for anyone, then we would find that we can do, for one, what we wish we could do for everyone. And that's what I'm asking you to do as we finish this series, as as we come to a close in the Getting Past Your Past series and transition into a new series, we're going to focus on our family of families. I'm going to ask you to watch and pray for somebody that you are uniquely qualified to help. And this has a scriptural foundation in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. If you want to turn there, we're going to look at a couple of verses. Um, That's on page 1794. Just flip back a few pages from where you are in Galatians. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, Paul writes these words. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Verse 5, For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort flows over into the lives of others. Whenever you see a so that in Scripture, circle it, underline it. 
write down what follows it. It's as if God is making the application clear. And in verse 4, he says, This God of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any troubles with the comfort we ourselves have received. If you have come through something by the hand of God, often working through other people to be his hands and feet in your life, then you are now uniquely equipped to be the hands and feet of God in somebody else's life. There's a so that. As you receive comfort... It's not just for you. It's so that you can then comfort others as well. And this ties in with our bottom line, that that one of the best ways to get past your past is to help somebody else get past theirs. In fact, that word comfort that is featured so prominently in this passage, it literally means to come alongside with strength. If you think of a fort or a fortified place, come fort, to come alongside, to join another with strength with fortification, to come alongside with strength. Because one of the best ways to get past your past is to help somebody else get past theirs. And one of my favorite examples of this is a guy by the name of Nick Vujicic. And maybe you've heard of Nick. He's become fairly famous in recent years. He was born with tetramelia disease or syndrome, which did not allow him to grow limbs. And he's basically a head and a torso. And he tells his story. I've heard him tell this story uh, live. He tells the story of how depression and anxiety and just a dread for life was part of his early life. And no doubt he prayed and no doubt his parents prayed. And, And there was a turning point in his life, though, when God worked in him because God wanted to work through him. And he realized, I don't have hands and feet. But as he says it, only God could choose somebody with no, hands and f- with no arms and legs to be his hands and feet in this world. And he realized, I don't have hands and feet, but I do have a mouth. I do have a voice. I do have a story. And he started by reaching out to other disabled children and to other disabled people. And God gave him a platform to use that ministry. And now he's become a, an evangelist that has spoken around the world who has touched millions of people because he chose to get past his past. He chose to allow God to work in him and then to work through him. And one of my favorite quotes of his says, if you can't get a miracle, become one. If you don't get the miracle you were praying for, if you don't receive what you asked for, become that miracle to somebody else. Take what has happened in you and allow God to work through you into the life of somebody else. Because one of the best ways to get past your past is to help somebody else get past theirs. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence among us. We thank you for your word, which instructs us and inspires us. We thank you for this time that we've had together in your presence. We pray, God, that we would experience your peace here and we would take it with us. That we would experience your power here and we would take it with us. That we would experience your pleasure here and that we would take it with us and share it with somebody else. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The ladies are going to receive a packet of seeds on the way out. And I love this, how it fits in with our sewing lessons. In fact, uh, we were talking about this in staff, and I mentioned the last couple of messages uh, around this idea. And Stephanie piped up and said, we could give all the moms seeds for Mother's Day, and they could use those then to, to plant somewhere or to share with somebody else. And I was thinking about this this week, and I want to close with this idea, because if you open this up, don't do it while you're here, but if you open this up, 
You're going to notice that these seeds are gray and brown and black. They're not all that pretty to look at. And yet if you, you put them in the right environment and you give them enough time, something beautiful comes forth. Something, a transformation takes place. And it becomes a symbolism of what we're talking about in this series. That, that we take those things that don't look all that good as we go through them and they don't look all that good even as we look back on them. But if we give them enough time and we give them the right environment and we allow God to work in them, something beautiful can come forward and we can share that with others. And so all the ladies, as you leave, we want you to take one of these. And whether you choose to just put it in a place where you'll see it and remember it, or you choose to plant it, or you choose to pass it on to somebody else who needs to be encouraged, know that this is our gift to you, and we thank you. We're going to close with a little bit of worship here, and uh, I'd encourage you to, uh, to respond to God's word in faith today, whether that means coming to an altar, making an altar where you're seated, giving, sharing, praying. This is time for you to respond.